All right, well, tonight we begin to take a look at the pieces of the armor. And in order to do this, I think it helps us, helps me best, is we don't spend so much time on the actual piece of the armor as it corresponds to the Roman uniform, but how it corresponds to the spiritual warfare. So we will take a look at it somewhat, but I, most of the things I have seen on this, they spend a lot of time looking at the uh, belt in the Roman soldier and what it is supposed to do or what it, is, what it accomplishes, and we miss understanding what is going on as far as the spiritual warfare is going is concerned. So this is what I did in breaking this down, and we'll do this for each of the armor pieces. We're just spending them tonight on the belt of truth. We want to take a look at why Paul was drawn to the belt for being this first one, why he calls it the belt of truth. We'll look at what this uh, the truth is, but then we're going to spend most of our time taking a look at how is the belt of truth used in battle. Because if we don't, if, of all I understand of the belt of truth is that it's a belt, it's truth, and it somehow gets used in battle, I'm not really equipped for the battle if I don't know how the belt of truth would be used in the battle. So, we're going to take a look at examples in the scripture where the belt of truth was either used or the belt of truth was neutralized. And we'll see how that was removed from the equation and what problems that it, that it caused, and I think that will give us a better understanding of that. So just reading the whole passage here, Ephesians 6.10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Now, last week we spent a lot of time taking a look at the main words here. Take up, which analambano, to take up in order to carry away without the notion of violence, to take what is to take what is one's own, to take one's self, to make one's own, to take, to choose, or to select. The idea here is not to put on. The idea is to take it up. We saw that it was used a lot of times with uh, Jesus' ascension into heaven, that he was taken up into heaven. He wasn't going back and forth. It's not a thing you put on, put, put off, put on, put off. He was taken up, and he's there until he comes back for the second coming. This is what this word is, is referring to. It talks about taking something from a lower place up to a higher place. So if, when he uses this in the armor, the armor is down. We take it up to use, to put it uh, into service in our spiritual warfare. The word withstand was to set oneself against, to withstand, to resist, to oppose, or to set against. It, it, is, it uh, begins with the word Anti, we have see anti in the beginning of this. The word is antistomy. And that is one of the words for against when we were taking a look at, at the, that aspect of it. When he said having done all, we looked at some of the things that this word all is used for and how it differs from uh, other words for all. Having done all. What he's looking at here is having done all to stand. The whole thing is about standing. It is not about going into battle, not having success, and then when everything else fails, when everything else is at the end, stand therefore. That's not what it is. It is about taking up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day. The entire thing is about standing. So, having done all, he says, keep that word in your mind, having done all to stand. Then he goes on here with verse 14. Now, I made this note. I want to make sure I went over with you. The armor is not designed to use any piece alone. It is designed to be used as a whole. If we leave a piece off, if we put a piece down, we are leaving ourselves unprotected. We are leaving ourselves open in some way. And that can lead to a fall or to not standing. He says, take up the whole armor of God. 
That word was not just inserted by the translators. That word is in the Greek. It's part of the word armor. Take up the whole armor of God. Verse 14. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, we saw in verse 13, having done all. It's past tense. It's aorist. Aorist in the Greek, past tense in the English. He continues that same language here in verse 14. Having girded. So this is one of the things, having done all, this is one of the things in the list. Having done all, there's a particular list of things we need to accomplish. Having done all, this is the armor. We need to take up the whole armor. Not part of it, we need to take it up the whole. So that particular word all is looking at parts of a whole. You are to take up the whole armor of God, have it on. In that, taking it up, having girded your waist. It is past tense. It is not present tense. It is not future tense. It is not something He is commanding them to do. He is saying, if you are in this battle, if you are going to make this stand, you must have already girded your waist about with truth. This is a past tense word. Aorist refers, just like it is in the English, it refers to an action done in the past that is completed. It is not ongoing. It is a past action. So, stand therefore having girded your waist with truth. The word gird is the Greek word perizonomai. It means to gird around or about to fasten garments with a girdle or a belt. It is used in the scriptures seven times. It is literally of girding oneself. I'm reading you from the, um, from the Vine's definition and he uses a couple of scriptures in here and I'm going to read those scriptures as we come to them. So it's, he puts it this way. Literally, of girding oneself for service, in Luke 12:37, we see that, Blessed are those servants whom their master, when he comes, will find watching. Or surely I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. That he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. Gird, get things ready. Get yourselves ready for service, as Vines put it. 17, and also Luke 17, verse 8, you'll see the... Uh, the same thing. Acts chapter 12 and verse 8. This is girding yourself up for the rapidity. This, I'm reading from Vines. For the rapidity of movement or for rapid movement. So look at it this way. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. So he did. And he said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. So basically, if you want to get a picture of this, if you are set and you have, <coughs> have some loose clothing on, maybe a scarf, that's just kind of hanging hanging loose. Or maybe a purse that is just kind of hanging on the shoulder. Some kind of thing that is not, not attached. And you suddenly need to go somewhere quickly. Maybe the rain came down and you're caught outside in it and you need to run undercover. You gird yourself up. You take all the things that are loose and you grab hold of them in such a way that they're not moving on you when you're running. This is what this word is talking about in here. Gird yourselves up. Get ready for rapid movement. Get ready to, to move quickly. In Revelation... Well, I'm going to keep on reading from here. Now, that is the literal use of the word. Figuratively, Vines puts it this way. You have the condition for service on the part of the followers of Christ. And we saw that in twelve Luke 12, 35, and here in Ephesians 6, 14. Uh, emphatically, of Christ's priesthood, Revelations 1.13, I want to read that for you. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. We're going to see that same word in use in Revelations 15.6. And out of the temple came the seven angels, having the seven plagues, clothed in bright linen, and having their chests girded with golden bands. So this word girded means to put around. So it may be around the chest, it may be around the, the, the belt area. We know that it's the belt because he said having your loins girded or having the, uh, I think King James words it that way. He, uh, New King James words it just a little bit differently. Stand there for having girded your waist with truth. So 
that's where we know the location. So it's the belt. So picture Paul. He's a prisoner a lot of the times. He's sitting next to a Roman guard, Roman prisoner, or they are at least nearby. He's watching them. He's looking at the armor that they have. He's getting a picture. And along the lines, God says to him, relates to the spiritual weapon. You see how the soldier is guarded. You are girded. You see how they are dressed up. And he begins, he begins to get a picture of the different aspects of our armor spiritually by looking at the Roman soldier. But our, as he says it in Ephesians, we don't battle flesh and blood. So it is not a literal belt. It is not a literal shield. It is not a literal sword. These are figurative things. This is what was on the Roman soldier. This is what he is looking at a lot. God is giving him revelation because God will give you revelation about the things that are around you. I need to speak that way to you. Whatever it is that you have interest in, whatever it is that you have understanding in, he is going to speak to you in those particular areas so that he can relate a spiritual principle to something that you already understand. For the disciples, he related a lot of it in the area of fishing for those that were fishermen. For the people that he would speak to, he would speak to them the soap the, 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 that used the parable of the sower because they knew sowing. They knew how fields responded to seed. They knew the harvest. These are things that they know. So Paul is around something that he knows and God is able to take what he sees, what he knows, and relate spiritual warfare to that. So understand it in light of that. The purpose of this piece of armor for the Roman soldier is to bind up or to hold together all the pieces of the armor. It basically, this piece is in touch with all the other pieces of the armor. So it would go around, it would take the breastplate and it would hold the breastplate in place. The breastplate was something that would protect the main parts of their body. But this would bind it all together and keep it so that it's not moving around. So when you were in battle, it doesn't give the enemy an opportunity to get underneath of the breastplate and uh, cause bodily harm. The shield had a place to hook on. The sword had a place to hook on. There was a connection to much of the armor in the loin, in the loin belt. And without that loin belt, without that belt, your main areas of the Roman soldier were opened to, uh, to uh, assault. So that's where this, this helped them out. For the Christian, this piece affects the function, effectiveness, and or availability of all the other pieces. And it is likely why it is first. Now, we, um, I think I already told you the having comes from the word girded. Girded is in the past tense. There is no Greek word for having. That's not there. The having comes from the fact that the word girded is in the past tense. So they put that in having girded. The word for truth, and I had to drop this out of your outline too. There's just um, not enough room for it. But the word for truth here is the Greek word aletheia. It is the most common word for truth. And in fact, if you look up vines, you will see under the word truth, under the listing of truth, pretty much all derivatives of this one word, aletheia. There is one other word that is used, and we'll get into that, and is not used much. This word is used 110 times in 99 verses. So not quite up there with our word for against, but this is a, a, a very prominent word. So every time you see the word truth, more than likely it is the Greek word aletheia, or it is a derivative of it. If it's a verb, uh, a noun, different parts of speech that it can be. So I wrote down a few of these, and in Matthew 22 and 16, and they sent to him their disciples, which the Herodians saying, Teacher, we know that you are true. Then there's our word aletheia. I'm sorry, aletheia. And teach the way of God in truth. Nor do you care about anyone, for you do not regard the person of men. Mark 5.33 But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. 
Mark 12:32. So the scribes said to him, Well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth, for there is one God, and there is no other but He. Sometimes this word will be paired with the article, which when you have the truth, it is speaking about the truth, the truth that comes from God. Luke 4:25. But I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up for three years and six months, and there was a great famine throughout all the land. John 3:21. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. But he who does the truth. Romans 1:18 and 25. We're going to read these two. Those are our last ones. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. They exchanged the truth of God. That was verse 25. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. So these are some of the places where this word truth is used of the 110 times it is used in Scripture. The other word that is used is the Greek word nasios, and it means true, genuine, or sincere. If you're going to be speaking about a person is true, a person is genuine, a person is sincere, you would not use the Greek word aletheia. You would use the other one. And that one is not used nearly as much. So when you see this one, this word being used, it is speaking of the truth, God's truth, something that is true. And so when he says the belt of truth, he's not talking about the belt of sincerity. He's not talking about the uh, the belt of, of honor. That's another meaning of that particular word. He is talking about the belt of truth or the belt of God's truth or the belt that of things that are true according to God. Those are what you need to have. This is not truth as in man's truth. This is truth as in the truth. This is truth as in God's truth. That's breaking down the the verse about as much as I want to do here because I think what is more important is that we spend time to understand how is this used in the battle. And so I have a lot of examples for you. I want you to be able to see this when it is used and I also wanted you to see it when it was compromised, when it was taken out of play. So, we're going to take a look at that first when it was neutralized, when people basically were falling down instead of standing. Either you have the armor on and you're standing, or you have parts of or the armor completely off and you're not standing. You would be falling down. One of the examples you can see is certainly Saul in 1 Samuel 15. We're not going to read all of these. Some of them I'm just going to refer to. And I put the references in there if you want to go and later on and take a look at them. But we're going to read this one. 1 Samuel 15 verses 13 through 15. Then Samuel went to Saul and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. But Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Now you know the rest of this. How he... The, the very famous scripture, God desires obedience rather than sacrifice. The truth was if he kept on the belt of truth in this battle, if he had put the belt of truth on, the truth was God said, go and destroy them all. That was the truth. That was the word of God that was spoken to him. That was the assignment that God had given him. He went out there and he heard something different. Either the people came to him as he suggests happened here, or it was his idea, but somehow the idea came, the thought came to him through people, through, um, through thoughts, or through other natural events. Let's uh, spare the best. Maybe we bring them back. Maybe their intention wasn't to bring them back, but hey, we got caught. So instead of taking them back and mixing them into our things, well, now we got, well, we'll just sacrifice them to the Lord. But that's not what was going on. He also spared the king. And Samuel had to take care of that one himself, which he did. But the truth was there. The truth was available for him to go into battle with him. He went into battle. There was the truth. 
and the thought came, the people came, or some kind of natural event came, and he compromised the truth. So that he wasn't standing on the truth, so instead of standing in the battle, he fell down. And we know that God uh, rejected Saul because of his uh, not obeying the word of God and not holding on to the truth that was there. He was bold. He went into the battle. He was brave. But he did not go into the battle with the belt of truth on. He had taken that part of it off. And uh, so to speak, anyway, that truth was neutralized. There's another incident when Moses had the truth of God. The truth of God was, I want you to go to the rock as you did before. And this time I want you to speak to the rock. That was the truth. That's what God said. So Moses comes up to the rock. And instead of speaking to it, he speaks to the people and he gets mad. He's mad at the people. Now, no people are there putting these thoughts in his head. We don't know if the enemy came put the thought in his head. We don't know. It may just be the natural events that were going on and he just got angry. And he, whatever it was, he struck the rock. He didn't do what God said. The water came out anyway. But God reprimanded him for it. Because he stood, had the truth, but he did not keep the truth on. And therefore he fell in that particular battle. Today, this is not in your outline. I had to cut a lot out that I, I put in there. Um, just so that you would have the, the room for it, for the things that I wanted you to be able to, to write in. But at the end of each one of these, I wanted to give you something to, to kind of make it modern day. Modern day, how do we would see this now, not in the Word of God, but in the days we live here? People would be saying things like this, because times have changed, God doesn't expect that anymore. Well, that was good for the people in the Old Testament. That was good for the people in the New Testament. But that's not for us anymore. You've heard things like, God is not the healer anymore. God was a healer, but God is not the healer now. God did have spiritual gifts in the body, but they ended at the book of Acts. So we see that in these areas, the Word of God has been altered, it's been adapted, or it's been subtracted from. Altered, adapted, or subtracted. This is one of the ways that the truth is is compromised. And people will begin to say, this isn't so today. Well, I know God has said this, but that's not the way it is now. That we have have different reasons. This is what Saul faced. Saul faced, well, I had the Word of God, but I don't see that the Word of God applies for where I'm at. Yet the Word of God, God spoke to him and said, in this battle, this is what you are to do. And he still reasoned out, I don't need to do it for this battle. Moses had... From God, this is what I want you to do when you approach the rock. This is how I want you to to uh, behave in front of the people. I want you to speak to the rock. And still he got there and did something different. Moses is a very spiritual person. But still he was able to compromise the truth. Don't think you're above compromising the truth. If Moses could fall, I tell myself, well, then I could probably fall too. I have to make sure that I stay true to this thing. So that's one of the things that the devil is going to try and do in battle is he is going to try and alter, he is going to try and subtract from the truth, he is going to try and adapt it in some way. This is one of the things he's going to do. Here's the second area that the belt of truth is attacked, and that is in the area of, of being challenged or questioned. And of course, just about everything you trace back to the, to the garden. But when we have Adam and Eve in the garden, and they happen to be wandering by the tree, and the serpent says to them, Has God truly said? That's an outright challenge of what God has said. They had what God said. But is that what God meant? Sometimes we people, today, we have what God said, but is that what God meant? We try and reason it out. You know, the Word of God says, don't be unequally yoked. I know that's what God said, but did He really mean when we begin to reason things out? So they had what God said, but is that what God meant? And, this, and people will come up, people, thoughts, natural things will come up and try and get you 
to question it. They would outright challenge the thing that God has said to do. Are you remembering it right? Has God truly said? Are you sure that's how God put it? Are you sure that God said it exactly like that? Did you mess up somewhere? Did God say it this way, but you messed up? And so that doesn't work for you anymore. Is that still God's will today? I know God said that to you when He first put you in the garden, but that was uh, you know, a number of weeks ago, maybe months, whatever it was. Uh, but is that still God's will today? Was that just His will for the first couple of weeks? See if you would do it, and you did. And now you can, you can go beyond that. Maybe God's will is different for you now. Maybe God's will has changed. I mean, I understand that was initially God's will for you. But maybe it has altered. Maybe it has changed. And you have to be willing to go with the flow. So this is how the belt is, is challenged. Do you really know the truth? Jeroboam was another one. Did God really mean what he said? Jeroboam was told, if you will follow me, if you will do as I command, as David, as my servant David did, I will make of you an enduring house. That's what God promised him. Well, somewhere he fell off of that. He had it. God spoke this to him. He spoke it directly for his life. But then somewhere when he got into power, it changed. We don't know what changed. We don't know if people came up to him and said something. We don't know if a thought just came or we don't know if there were just natural events that happened around him and he began to see them and begin to wonder. We don't know what it was. Wonder God doesn't tell us. But we know that something happened that took him from a place of being faithful to God, so faithful that God decided to put the ten northern tribes in his hand. God decided to give him this promise and then to the point where he said, no, it's too much for you to go up to Jerusalem Here's these golden calves, worship them, and he set two of them up. Now, the thoughts that could have come into his head are these. You know, God knew the people would leave you. He just doesn't care about you. He knew they would leave you. God put you in here. He gave you that promise, but it's an empty promise because God knew when he put you in this position that the people would leave you. And here's why. They had to keep going down to Jerusalem. They had to keep making the sacrifice. They're eventually going to get tired of you and go back to the house of David. God knew it. He just doesn't care about you. Can you see where he would accept something like that? People have already. Maybe the thought came in that, hey, even God can't preserve you if the people turn against you. If these people all turn against you, even God cannot preserve you. Can you see how that thought would come? The belt of truth, if he kept that on, would have protected him. If he had kept the belt of truth, again, it's figurative, but if he had kept the truth, he, if he had kept in mind, God said, if I do this, he will do that. I will trust God, I will believe God, and I will not go away from what God said. If he would have done it. Today, we can see that the Word of God is directly challenged and the Word of God is directly questioned. Marriage is for anyone and to anyone. And we see that. God, But God didn't say it that way. God said, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. A marriage is between a man and a woman. That's God's view. That's what He put in the Word. But how many people have we seen today? We're challenging that. We're questioning that, and churches are even going along with it. And there's churches that are marrying men to men, women to women. I saw one woman, she wanted to marry her cat. Marriage is for anyone and anyone. Another thing that we see challenged and questioned, we decide male and female, not God. But the Word of God says that God made them male and female. He said, I made this one male, I made this one female. He said, I made them male and female. But we've decided to question that. Not, not you all, but you know, just people in general. We've decided to question that. Well, if you were born a woman, 
and you decided that you were more of a man, or if you were born a man and you were decided that you're more of a woman, well, then God just made a mistake. Or that you can just make take action to, to do that. There's one of those memes that's floating around on Facebook some time ago. I don't remember. I don't even know if this person said it, but they put one of those actors up on the on the uh, on the picture, and um, they they say, "I too was once a man trapped in a woman's body, but then I was born." <laughs> uh, that's that's putting a little bit a little bit more humorously, but you see how the word of God can be challenged and questioned. And if you don't keep the belt of truth on, then you will have pastors that are going out there and are marrying men to men and women to women. You will have pastors, churches, who agree with the fact that, well, if a woman wants to become a man, if a man wants to become a woman, these are the things that are going on. So this is where the Word of God is, the, the truth of God is directly questioned, directly challenged. So that's our two areas. Altered, challenged. Here's our third one. Expanded or added to. If the, if, and the devil doesn't care which way he goes. He doesn't care if you allow it to be altered. He doesn't care if you allow it to be challenged and questioned. And he doesn't care if those two things fail. He doesn't care if you just allow it to be expanded. Go ahead and accept what's there. Let's just add these things to it. The unknown prophet is a good example of this. And we're going to go there in 1 Kings chapter 13, verse 7. And the king said to the man of God, Come home with me. We're jumping in here in the middle of the story. The story is not our purpose here. But you all know he came and delivered the message to Jeroboam and told him that because he had disobeyed God, that God was going to judge him. And uh, a number of things had gone on and God showed his, his strong hand there. The king said to the man of God, Come home with me and refresh yourself, and I will give you a reward. But the man of God said to the king, If you were to give me half your house, I would not go in with you, nor would I eat bread nor drink water in this place. For so it was commanded me by the word of the Lord, saying, You shall not eat bread nor drink water nor return by the same way you came. So he went another way and did not return by the way he came to Bethel. That is the word of God. That is the truth. That truth is his belt. Or what would, would hold everything together. And right now, what's he doing? He's holding on to it. He is staying protected by that truth. Verse 11, Now an old prophet dwelt in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. They also told their father the words which he had spoken to the king, and their father said to them, Which way did he go? And for his sons had seen which way the man of God went who came from Judah. Then he said to his son, Saddle the donkey for me. So they saddled the donkey for him, and he rode on it. And he went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak. Then he said to him, Are you the man of God who came from Judah? And he said, I am. Then he said to him, Come home with me and eat bread. And he said, I cannot return with you nor go in with you. Neither can I eat bread nor drink water with you in this place. For I have been told by the word of the Lord, You shall not eat bread nor drink water there nor return by going the way you came. That's exactly what he said before. He is hanging on to the word of truth that he had. And he speaks it again. And he said to him, I too am a prophet as you are. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with you to your house, that he may eat bread and drink water. He was lying to him. So he went back uh, with him and ate bread in his house and drank water. Now it happened as they sat at the table that the word of the Lord came to the prophet who had brought him back and he cried out to the man of God who came from Judah saying, Thus says the Lord, because you have disobeyed the word of the Lord and have not kept the commandment which the Lord your God commanded you, but you came back, ate bread and drank water in the place of which the Lord said to you, Eat no bread and drink no water. Your corpse shall not come to the tomb of your fathers. Don't make life changing. Oh, I'm, I'm, actually, pull, pull that in. Um, oh, I pulled that in from another spot. Don't. We'll get to that later. Eat no bread, drink no water. Your corpse shall not come to the tomb of your fathers. So, he had the truth of God. He held to the truth of God when the king challenged him on it. He held to the truth of God when the prophet came. But the prophet added to it. He expanded. Yeah, I understand that, but an angel appeared to me and delivered me another word. 
and he accepted the new word. He let his guard down. You heard from God. But he left something out. Could come. This is why some people may accept it. Well, you heard from God, but, but he left something out. And he gave that part to me. And so I've come here to deliver that part to you. Or it may be, well, God changed his mind. Or it may be, look, because of your success or because of the failure, he has added this. He may be just, look, because of the success of what you had when you went in and the message and what has gone on, God has added to and he has changed this and now this is the direction he wants to go. Oh, okay. And so he accepts it. There's lots of reasons why people accept these a change as such. But whatever it is, they let their guard down. So the Word of God wasn't challenged. He didn't challenge it. No, I understand that you heard from God. It wasn't altered. We kept that part intact. That's what God said to you. But He added this part to it. It was expanded. It was added to. The Pharisees, we see this going on with them too. They were adding to the law to help keep it. But it changed the law. And it changed themselves. So they took all the commandments of Moses and they made hundreds of commands to help you keep the commands of Moses. So the, on a couple hundred of commands that are in the law, they decided, well, that's too hard for you to do, so here's 600 more. These 600, whatever number they were, these will help you keep the 200 plus that God had given you. And we see that these laws that they added, not the ones that were in Scripture, not the ones that God gave, but the ones that they added, it caused problems. They had problems with Jesus healing on the Sabbath. They saw this as against God. God's hand was on Jesus. God told Jesus what to do. Jesus did it. The power of God was operating through Jesus. The power of God was present to heal people. But they couldn't recognize the power of God because of all they added to the law told them this shouldn't happen. They were unable to recognize the hand of God on John. They were unable to recognize the hand of God on Jesus. They were unable to recognize the hand of God on the apostles after Jesus was taken up into heaven. They couldn't see the hand of God because of the things that they had added to the law of God. They had the law of God. They believed in the law of God, but they also added all these other things. They couldn't see the miracles that were performed. They couldn't see the hand of God on the miracles that were performed. They got mad at some of the miracles that were performed. They would come out of there, see the miracles that were performed, and come up with ways to kill Jesus because of the miracles that were being done. They couldn't see the anointing that was on Jesus when he was anointed to teach and the teaching that he was given, the truth that he was bringing out. They just saw it as a challenge to themselves. It paved the way for attitudes that saw the temple corrupted and the Son of God crucified. Because they added to what was there. They took what was truth and they added to it. I think it's hard to add to the word without it taking away or altering its message. But we put it in here as a, as a third area because this is what some people will do. They'll, they'll add to it. But any time that you add it, even these two instances we showed you here with the Pharisees and the unknown prophet, uh, things were added, but you can see that actually it took away. It took away from what God said and what God said. In today's area, we're going to see this in like in the ultra grace message. God's grace covers more than you thought. There's the grace of God. That's the truth of, of that, but it covers more than you thought. In fact, God's grace covers those people who don't even ask for forgiveness because God died, Christ died for all. We'll take that from the Scripture. Christ died for all. That means He died for all. That means there's no one born on this earth that's, not going, that's going to hell. Everyone's going to heaven. <laughs> that's what they believe in the ultra-grace message. Boy, you have to cut out a lot of areas of Scripture, but because they add to this, they therefore see the other areas of Scripture differently. There's also prophets who speak words that God never gave. We saw that in the Old Testament. You see that in the New Testament. And you see that today. There are prophets who speak words, but God never gave those words. They're adding to these things. That is the belt of truth. Here it has been neutralized in all these people. And it was not there to protect them.
wasn't there to, to do what was necessary. Well, let's take a look at some people who were successful. And of course, our buddies here, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael in Daniel chapter 3. We saw that there was a, a pressure. There was things being put on on people. And the thought probably came into them, worship other gods outwardly, but Jehovah inwardly. Probably there was a lot of people that were comrades, there were Jewish people who said, look, I'm going to worship their God outwardly, but inwardly I will only worship Jehovah. And they were okay with that. But these three were not. No, nope, we're going to stand. We're not going to, because this is the truth of God. This is what we need to do. They, some people may have said, well, God gave us wisdom. We need to use it to save our life. And if wisdom tells me I should bow my knee, and I should give in and just go along with what they say to do, then I'll just go along and, and do what they say to do. Uh, no. No, we see pressure even today. People want you just to go along, just to do the thing. Uh, but God hasn't told me to do that. All contrary thoughts are defeated by comparing it to the truth. So every time Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael ran up to somebody who tried to pressure them to bow, nope, we just got to compare what you want me to do to what God has said. He has said in His Word, don't bow before other gods. The reason we're in captivity is because we as a nation worshipped other gods. We haven't forgotten that. We're not going to let that go. We're not going to give in. They stood up to threats to threats against their person, to threats to kill them, and they turned a king and the kingdom away from this idolatrous worship because they stood up to it and because they stood in the truth. They were the ones who fought this battle. They were the ones who stood in there. There was no one else that we know who came up and stood against this. Only they did. Only they had on the belt of truth. Only they stood in this battle. And they stood successfully. First Samuel 13, you'll see that Jonathan is armor-bearer. Uh, Israel was facing certain defeat at the hands of the Philistines. And Jonathan said, you know what? I'm just going to go up to the Philistines and I'm going to take them on. You want to come? And the armor-bearer said, whatever you want to do, I'll do it. And so they went on up there and they said, all right, let's just say this. If they say this, we know the hand of God is on us. And so they, that's what they said, so let's go. And so they climbed up to them and they began to slaughter. I believe they only killed about 20. But that was enough. One person killing about 20 or so uh, started the whole, whole thing. And then pretty soon the whole battle went in favor of Israel. And they went on to a, to a great victory over the Philistines that looked like they were going to be defeated. Why did he do that? Because he, the word of God came up and it, something came up on the inside of him and said, Jonathan, will you go into battle? Will you go up against the Philistines if no one else will? Will you fight them? And Jonathan said, I, I think that might be God telling me to go on up there. And that's why he said to the men, if they say this and we know God is, is the one leading us up there. And they said it. All right, God's leading us up there. Let's go. And so he followed it. There's all kinds of natural things around natural events that are telling them you climb up to a higher position. As you're coming up, they just chop your head off. There's all kinds of things that they would be hearing to say this isn't going to work. But no, let's, uh, let's stay with it. And they went up there and they had a great victory, but only because they stuck to the truth that God had told them. David and Goliath, a few chapters later, 1 Samuel 17. He heard the words that were spoken by Goliath. He knows you speak words like this against God that you're cursed. You're done. I just got to go in there and mop it up. And so he was bold. No one else was. Everyone else had access to the exact same truth that David did. But David was the only one who was ready to speak on it, ready to act on it, ready to believe it. There was the pressure from his brothers. You know, shut up. Why are you up here causing trouble? There was pressure from other people. You're just a kid. You can't go out there and fight them. But he didn't listen to that. Nope, nope. I can do this. And nobody else is going to go out there and do it. I can do it. David was the one who spoke God's truth. Those around him didn't. 
and Joseph in heeding the warning to flee to Egypt in Matthew chapter 2. I had to abbreviate that as much as I could, otherwise I go into a second line and I was trying to save all the space I could. But uh, that's Matthew chapter 2. You could probably just find that on your own. Now, Joseph had in a dream, an angel gave him the warning, flee to Egypt. Make haste. Go. Get out of here. Now, we just sometimes read that and we don't always think, what happens if I'm in there? If I get this dream in the night and an angel warns me, make haste and go. Get out of here. What are some of the thoughts that might come to me? So I wrote down some of them. Uh, hey, but trust God. Don't be afraid. What if you woke up in the morning and said, I had this dream. You shared it with your wife. You shared it with your brother. You shared it with your friends. I had this dream. It said, flee to Egypt. Well, you should be trusting God. Don't be operating in fear because of a dream. Why are you doing that? Trust God. Why the rush? Slow it down. Don't make life-changing decisions overnight. Just, you know, give this some time. If this is something God really wants you to do, then, you know, sleep on it for a couple of nights. Wait a week. Wait a month. See what happens. And the people around him that would be used to be saying things to discourage him from obeying this right away and fleeing the next day and getting out of there would be people that are being used of Satan to inspire thoughts against the truth of God. He had to stay with what God told him, what he knew God said. Was that really God giving you that dream? Anybody ever question? What, did you really hear from God on that one? Why would God want his son in Egypt? Now, not everybody knew that this is, they had the son of God with them, but maybe the few that did, maybe Elizabeth, maybe his wife, some people who didn't have the dream but were in on knowing about the miraculous birth that had gone on. Why would God want his son in Egypt? Hosea 11.1, 1, and this is actually quoted in Matthew chapter 2, but here's the whole verse. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. Now that seems really cryptic. I don't think anybody really knew, reading that, that he's saying that the Messiah was going to come out of Egypt. But we could see it later on. That part there with Israel. And this is just a little bit of this, of this history. But when Israel was in Egypt, that was a type of the Son of God. They were in Egypt. They were there to be protected. That's why God had them. That's why Abraham was told they're going to be in Egypt for a while. We need them to have some protection. They grow up into a nation. They're going to be protected there. And no one's going to come after them because Egypt is bigger. And then Egypt put them into slavery. But then God pulled them out. Remember when God pulled them out, the thing that did it? What did God take from the Egyptians? The firstborn son. God saw Israel as his firstborn son. And so he took their firstborn son because they were keeping his firstborn son. And so when Jesus went down into Egypt, God's firstborn son came out of Egypt the second time. So that's uh, some typology that, that comes out of that. I put in your, your outline there, your notes, what battles have been lost because we left the truth? What battles did God plan on being fought that weren't fought because we left the truth? Now, you can go through the Old Testament. You can find there were some battles that were lost because people didn't hang on to the truth. Remember the army that was uh, not conquered because they decided to make a treaty with the Syrians instead of trusting God? And God had to come and rebuke them. I delivered you from a much bigger army. Why didn't you believe me for this one? Now they escaped out of your hand. There were other times that enemies of Israel escaped out of their hand and later came back and bothered them, later came back and tormented them because battles were lost because they didn't hold on to the truth. They didn't hold on and do what God had said. When, when certain would go in and wipe them out and they didn't go in and wipe them out, then they came on back and they affected them later on. What battles have been lost because we left the truth? God gave us truth but we let it down. Opportunities to turn someone lost to God. 
there are Christians out there that had opportunities to be a witness to people for the things of God, but they compromised the truth. Well, how can you as a Christian live this way, do these things, speak this way, so forth? I thought you were a Christian. You're no different than I am. How is it that you are saved and you want to tell me that I am not? So their testimony is compromised. The battles that could have been fought there to bring them over, they were lost because they let the truth go down. Something came in there and said, has God really said? Do you really need to do it this way? Is that really what God intended? There's influence on people, businesses, institutions, or governments wiped out because we compromised something. There were some people in our life we were supposed to influence. There were some businesses that we were a part of that we were supposed to influence. There were some institutions that we were involved with. There are governments that we have a hand in, but all those opportunities were wiped out because we compromised something. And this is what the enemy wants to do. And we see he did this constantly. He wanted to compromise Daniel. He wanted to compromise Hananiah, Mishael. He wanted to compromise these. He wanted to compromise Abraham. He did compromise Abraham when he went into Egypt. He did compromise his son when he went over to the Philistines. And it took away some of the testimony that they would have. They, were, they, chased, them, they chased them out of their place. We can force darkness into exposure and bring them into light, but only if we hold on to the truth that God gave us. Israel. Every time they left the truth, they constantly created opportunities for the enemy against them. And they had to plead with God to deliver them from the enemy. But the whole problem was they left the truth. They stopped worshiping God only. And they brought in idol worship. They stopped trusting in God and they began to trust in their own military might, their own situations, their own things that they could formulate. They stopped trusting all these things. They opened up opportunities. And the spiritual battle that was supposed to go on never materialized because they let the truth go. When we leave the truth, we put ourselves in exposed positions. We put ourselves in exposed positions. When we are in conflict and leave the truth, our armor can fall apart. When you are in the midst of conflict, don't let go of the truth. How many times have we been in a spiritual battle in the area of healing and thoughts, people come to us, natural things happen to try and get us to compromise. God wants you healed. That thought comes, does God really want you healed? Maybe God is teaching you. Maybe God is through with you. Maybe, and all these things come in. And it, if you compromise, if you let go of the truth, everything will fall apart. But you don't let go of it. You hang on to it. And we hear testimonies of people who hung on in tough situations. That one we just heard from Jerry Savelle talking about when he was, uh, had to battle that stroke. That was a tremendous testimony. But he had opportunity from people, from thoughts, natural things that were going on. He had opportunity to let it go. Now, we said this before, in spiritual warfare, remember he said, we don't fight against flesh and blood. He had to say that to him because it materializes in flesh and blood. In spiritual warfare, we battle people, we battle thoughts, and we battle natural things. I've been repeating that over and over here, but that's something that we had looked at before. In spiritual warfare, we battle people, we battle thoughts, and we battle natural things. The enemy will use these to get you off the truth with pressure, temptation, or an easy way out. Jesus and his temptations was given an easy way out. He was given the temptation, turn these stones into bread. He was given pressure. If you are the Son of God, cast yourself down. For it says in the Word, he's trying to throw truth at him. Now let's, let's take a look at these three things. Pressure, temptation, and the easy way out just in these situations that we looked at. 
Adam and Eve. There was a temptation. You know, you want to try this fruit out. You know, and, and we've already told you, you're missing out on something. You thought you had everything, but you don't have the knowledge of good and evil. Here's an easy way to get it. Jeroboam. There was, he was feeling pressure. These people are going to turn on me. There was a temptation. All you got to do is leave the things of God and make it so they don't have to go down to Judah anymore. Here's the easy way out of this thing. The unknown prophet. He stood up to pressure. He stood up to temptation. But then the one who was like him identified, I'm a prophet too. I heard from God. This is what he spoke and he gave in. The Pharisees against Jesus, they put pressure on him. They constantly were pressuring him. Don't do this. Don't operate this way. And Jesus didn't give in to it. He didn't give in to the pressure. Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, they had pressure put upon them. Other people pointing their fingers. Look at these guys. Look at the compromise. Look, look at the thing. that They're not worshiping what's going on here. There was a temptation. You know there had to be a temptation. Do you really want to go into that fiery furnace? Just bow your knee. You don't have to mean it. Just bow your knee. That's all. And then you can go on with your life. You can keep on doing the things that God wants you to do. There's an easy way out. Just bow your knee. That's it. Jonathan and his armor bearer. Easy way out. Let's just stay here. No one's expecting me to go out and fight on my own. No one's expecting that. Except that God put that down in my heart to do. And so we stepped out and we did it. Easy way out. Just stay where you are. He didn't have to do anything. There was nobody pressuring him to go out and to, and to do this. But once he stepped out, there was some pressure. Yeah, come on up here. We'll show you some stuff. David against Goliath. He had lots of pressure from people. Who are you? Who do you think you are? You are not a soldier. You have not been trained in this. You're just a troublemaker. There are people who said, why do you think you're so much better than anyone else? There was pressure being put on. There was a temptation that all that was in his heart to do, no, you're not hearing from God, just shut up and go home. But he wouldn't do it. Joseph fleeing to Egypt because God said go. There was probably some pressure. Maybe some of it was self-imposed. Can I just leave the business I have here? Can I go down to Egypt? Will there be a business? Will there be something I can do to support the family? What, what's going to go on? How can we do this? There's probably some pressure. There's probably a temptation to say, maybe I didn't hear from God. Maybe I should just stay here. But he held on to it. The belt of truth listed first and is so important that when we know what the Word of God says, we need to hold on to it. This is one of the reasons we have to dive into the Word as much as we do. This is why we keep learning. Because the more truth I learn, the more I am protected. Truth that you don't know cannot protect you. You've got to know it. You've got to get out there. You've got to spend the time in the Word of God. You've got to be listening. You've got to get under people that are teaching. You've got to get in the Word and reading. You've got to be praying. You've got to be hearing from the Spirit of God, receiving revelation. All these things need to be going on. You need to constantly be growing because that truth needs to grow because the enemy's battle against you is also going to grow. And as he increases his attack upon you, if that belt of truth has increased in you as well and you have more and more truth, you're standing on it, you're able to stand up against those things. Having done all to stand. This is the first thing. This is the belt of truth. How many Christians today in this world compromise the truth? How many Christians in Paul's day compromised the truth? How many letters did Paul write to Christians who compromised the truth? How many letters were written in the book of Revelation to the seven churches? How many of those letters were to churches who compromised the truth? Five out of seven compromised the truth. There were five of them that had compromised something. One was completely compromised, and other ones had different various stages of, of being compromised. The same thing is going on today. We look around and we look at the churches, and we look at the things that are going on, they have compromised the truth. When we compromise the truth, we can't stand. When we compromise the truth, we can't go into battle. Because we don't have the truth anymore. In fact, we don't even take on the battles. 
Well, I don't know that that's, that's so. I don't know that the Word of God is necessarily the infallible Word of God. Um, you know, it's, it was written a long time ago. Uh, I think there's some parts of it that just aren't, aren't acceptable today or useful today, whatever it might be. And we compromise all these things. We compromise. I, I know people that uh, had learned the Word of Faith, learned to believe God, and then family members put pressure on them. That's not right. That's not a good way to go. And they eventually gave in and they, they walked out of that, what they knew to be truth. Don't walk away from the truth that we know. It's imperative. If we let go of the truth that we already know, we have opened ourselves up to battles that we maybe never were supposed to be involved in. We have closed ourselves off to taking on battles that God intended for us to fight, but are no longer equipped to do it. Father, I thank you that you help us in these battles, that you have given us the belt of truth that girds up the armor, that keeps the pieces that we need at hand, that keeps everything in tight so that we are protected. That truth keeps us standing. I thank you that every day we are learning more of your truth. You are leading us in ways to show us the truth that we need because you know the battles that are coming. You know the things that are ahead for us. And we need to get ready. I thank you for the love that we have for your word. We desire to know your truth. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.